Every Monday through Thursday, we bring you a new story on the theme of power, culture, or the future, handpicked from theoutline.com. I'm your host, James T. Green, and this is The Dispatch. Today, Carolyn Haskins brings us a new finding in the world of science. What was that finding? People have been talking about gaming disorder for years, specifically with relation to to video games. The idea is that it operates similar to to gambling in terms of addictive behavior. People have a hard time stopping. Uh, It sort of leads to negative consequences in their life that people ignore. But it's never been recognized by the UN. Um, So now what's different is that today... The ICD from, from the WHO updated their little manual of pretty much any way that you can die. Okay. And now gaming disorder is one of the things that they included under a type of addictive behavior disorder. First, you just do a bunch of acronyms at me. Yes, I did. What are they? Yeah. So the UN is the United Nations. <laughs> <laughs> I know the UN. Yes. But, the, but like the, the ICD. Uh, yeah. Um, and then so there's the UN which has the WHO, and it's basically the organization in charge of health stuff. Um, And then they have the International Classification of Diseases, which is basically just this big book that comes out every couple decades, and it's talking about various medical conditions or ways that you can die. All right. Sounds like a bestseller. Yeah. So when did the switch flip for the ICD? Like, when did they consider this to be, quote-unquote, addictive behavior? So it's kind of been a long time coming since the ICD hasn't been updated since 1992, which was like, you know, early-ish, pretty early days of, of, of video games. Yeah, I think, yeah, and Hanson, I think, was like popping then, right? Or is that or too early? I don't know. <laughs> I, I'm not the right oh, person to ask about you, that. I don't, you, you were not born, were you? I, no. <laughs> I, I was not alive. Yeah. Quick, quick fact check. Popular music in 1992. Jump by Criss Cross was hot when yes. the last time the ICD updated. Yeah. So it hasn't been updated since 1992. And it's not like they have a specific date like, oh, now we have to update it. Um, it's more like these medical norms and what we think of as a diagnosis or a real condition changes very gradually. So in the article, you mentioned that this is the first time that the Internet was mentioned in the International Statistical Classification of Diseases. Mm -hmm. What took them so long? (laughs) See, at least in this case, um, they just hadn't updated it in a while. And, And it's interesting because there still seems to be sort of this divide between whether the internet is like this driving force or just a medium for for different types of uh, of anxieties and disorders, right? But the DSM still doesn't mention uh, the internet at all. So the thing that's been kind of racking the back of my mind is like, is this essentially just the fear of the new? I mean, like, if you think about it, anything can be addictive, mm-hmm. right? Exactly. So uh, why is this organization picking on video games in this particular sense? That seems to be sort of the split among psychologists because a lot of people have argued that, you know, video games are not a lot different in terms of, I don't know, food or tanning or work or a lot of other types of behaviors that could potentially be addictive. Okay, really quick pause. Is there's tanning addiction? I mean, I don't know about this. I'm black. Allegedly. (laughs) There's people that are addicted to tanning. Yes. 
supposedly can't okay. re- can't relate. <laughs> um, yeah. for, for, for listeners who who are not aware, <laughs> I, I'm very pale, <laughs> like close to death. Um, there's basically a lot of behaviors that could be considered addictive. So the question is, when does uh, when does the way that you're exhibiting this behavior affect the condition itself? As someone who was raised on the internet, it's impossible to not to deny that it influences the way that you think. It's almost to the point now where it's like a utility at this point. Exactly. The way that these are designed is they want to hook users and they want to keep them on there for as long as possible. And they're built in with these tiny little rewards that you don't even think about. Um, just the way that things appear to you is meant to sort of draw you in. Um, like those Candy Crush notifications. Yeah, person. exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. I mean, usually you have the sound off when you're on Facebook, but when you hear the little click, click, <laughs> The little ping. Yeah. yeah. It's like, it's very satisfying. That's that's there on purpose. They yeah, it sounds keep exactly like a slot machine. Exactly. Exactly. It's hmm. so, no coincidence. So in this particular case, then you told me like people are pushing back, right? So mm-hmm. is there going to be regulation on these video game makers? That sort of seems unclear at this point because this idea has been thrown around pretty much as long as video games have started to. I mean, this isn't new. People have been talking mm-hmm. about video game addiction since the 90s. Obviously, people have a lot of concerns about the way that it affects behavior, but and I mean, if you're asking for my personal opinion, I feel like the height of video game hysteria either has passed or has yet to come. And I'm not sure that this is going to be the tipping point in terms of that. This is just one way to understand mental health conditions. Mm-hmm. Um, and as it is in the United States, I mean, people rely more on the DSM for diagnoses anyway. And it's unclear. It, it seems unlikely that this is going to set off some sort of like hysteria among the senators. Like, oh, the UN said that video games are addictive now. It's <laughs> a good senator voice. Yeah, it seems unclear that this is going to be set off some sort of tipping point in terms of in terms of regulation, but I think it's more interesting in the way that we're thinking about how we treat these disorders, you know, because there's not there doesn't seem to be a single agreed upon way to go about treating video game disorders in particular, like the first one to open up in the United States, uh, Restart, it treated it as sort of the social disorder. Restart now. Where you spend too much time playing video games and you lose the ability to be a normal, socially functional human being. Hmm. Restart life. Meanwhile, other, uh, like, gaming rehab centers are a little bit more traditional in their approach, like take people off, engage them in other forms of of, uh, of therapy and time engagement, that kind of thing. But I find that interesting because like a lot of video games now allow for more collaborative playing environments, either right. through like multiplayer and granted like a lot of <laughs> a lot of online multiplayer, you know, like if you've ever listened in on anyone playing, like you tend to hear some sort of racial slurs and you know, and, and or or things of that nature. So it maybe it's not always kind, but right, it definitely assumes that you're playing video games in a very particular kind of way. I spoke to Mark Griffiths, um, who sort of studied the relationship between internet and, and video games, and basically he argues that the internet doesn't really play this 
central role and what makes gaming addiction what it is. But at the same time, you know, that's going to decidedly be an influence on whether you're connecting with other people. Hmm. Does this mean that there's like a future in more internet-based diagnoses? It's possible because a lot of times, whether this is the right thing to do or not, um, the idea of internet addiction and social media addiction and video game addiction are kind of lumped together as these types of like technology-driven behavior disorders. So since they've been often treated in the very same way, talked about in a very similar way, it's it's possible that in the future we'll be seeing more about internet and social media addiction. What they seem to be alluding to here is like this very extreme condition and a very extreme way of going about gaming. And I feel like my instinct is that internet and social media use is so pervasive and ingrained that recognizing it as an extreme problem is going to take a couple of additional steps. (laughs) Mm. But like, what does that mean when technology becomes more ingrained in more things? You know what I mean? Like, does that mean everything essentially will be an internet-based addiction? Yeah, it's, it's strange because, you know, diagnoses are more of a reflection of you know, the conditions of a society than they are about the things themselves Um, and what we consider a disorder or what we consider a medical condition is going to, you know, vary from society to society, from time to time. And there seems to be this admission of guilt when you're placing the internet in in medical diagnoses. Um, But if it's becoming more and more pervasive, it's like, it's unclear how the two are going to balance out or if there's any actionable way for people to respond to it. I mean, if you can't act in any meaningful way upon a diagnosis like that, if you can't remove it from your life, then what does that mean? Is it worth it? I'm not really sure. That was Carolyn Haskins. To read her full story, head to theoutline.com. The Outline World Dispatch is produced and hosted by me, James D. Green. Today's story was edited by Casey Johnston. We use music from APM for today's episode, and our theme is by the fantastic John Lagamarsino. A quick thing. Do you know someone who would really like our short, strange stories? You should tell them about the Dispatch. They'll be glad you did. We're on Twitter at Outline Dispatch, and the best way to tell others that you love us is to leave a review in Apple Podcasts. And now... A B-side. This is why the senator sounds. <laughs> Why am I doing Hire me, Bob's Burgers. I'm James C. Green. We'll see you soon. <laughs>